Hi guys, uh, we're um, doing a talk about Palestine tonight just with everything going on. Um, we think it's really important to um, know the history and to educate ourselves so um, about what's happening now and what, you know, and the previous history um, dating back to uh, World War II. Um, we will be joined by um, Sister Juaria, so I'm just trying to get her on. Excuse me in my... Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll be joined by Sister Juaria from friends of al-aqsa she is very passionate about um masjid al-aqsa um, and we've got her on yes yeah. welcome um to, to the live how are you good alhamdulillah we finally did it <laughs> i know we've been we've been having a few technical issues this evening haven't we um so um Juaria, let's get straight into it so you are a um a representative of Friends of Alexa. So, who who are you guys? Um, you know, for those of for those out there that don't know um, anything about Friends of Alexa. Okay, so Friends of Alexa is a non-profit making organisation, and it's concerned with defending the human rights of the Palestinians, um, and it also protects um, our most beautiful and sacred Masjid Alexa. Fantastic. Um, it's definitely. Um, you know, we Masjid Al-Aqsa and the Palestinian people need as much support as as they can get, especially with uh, the current situation there. Um, so let's talk about the um, sort of the brief history. You know, how did everything start? Okay, so this is a, just a very brief overview. So the whole state of Israel was created um, basically when Palestine was under the control of the Ottoman Empire, um, the Muslims, the Jews, the Christians, they all lived relatively well together. Um, Muslims were the majority. There was over 80% of the Palestinians. Um, but soon the Ottoman, um, you know, the empire collapsed and Palestine came under the control of the British. Now, soon after the World War I, Britain declared that it would give its support to make Palestine the kind of national home for the Jews. This was called the Balfour Declaration. So from then, Jews started to immigrate into Palestine and lots of them. And as you can imagine, there was a lot of tension between the Palestinians and the Jews. Now, after Second World War, um, Britain did try and reduce and stop that immigration of Jews, uh, but that just did not happen. And finally, um, Britain just gave up and handed um, Palestine over to the UN. Now the UN in 1947 was just newly formed. So they decided that they would resolve this problem by partitioning Palestine. So they decided that they would give 55% of that land to the Jews who only represented not even a third of the population. Um, now that 55% contained a lot of the main cities. So the Palestinians rejected that. They don't like that offer at all. However, the Jews went on and they started the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Now you probably heard of the Nakba that happened roughly about 70 odd years ago. And they started to kind of force the Palestinians out of their homes. There was, this was really was a catastrophe. Over 500 
Palestinian villages were razed to the ground, they were set alight, um, and Palestinians were driven out of their house. Oh, I think it was like 13,000 um, Palestinians were killed. Um, there was 700,000 Palestinians that were left as refugees. Um, and a lot of these refugees, and even today, have the, you know, have no right, to, well, they do have the right to go back. However, um, they are denied this right by Israel. And a lot of these Palestinian refugees, they still got their keys. They still have that hope that one day they can go back to their homeland. Um, we have to remember that the Palestinians make up one of the biggest um, populations of refugees in the world. Um, so this Nakba, this land grabbing, taking this land illegally never stopped and it kept happening and kept happening and it's even happening today. So this is a very brief history of the state of Israel. Gosh, it's really, it's really heartbreaking just listening to that. Um, so we've seen a lot of um, a lot of, on social media about Sheikh Jarrah, save save Sheikh Jarrah. So how how are the two linked? Can you give us a bit of background about that? Yep. So Sheikh Jarrah is an area in East Jerusalem. It's very near Masjid Al Aqsa. Now. The residents of Sheikh Jarrah are made up of these refugees that we talked about from 1948. So when these refugees, when these Palestinians were driven out of their homes by force, they had nowhere to go. So the UN and the Jordanian government who had control of that area at that time said to these people that you can go and stay in Sheikh Jarrah, you can make Sheikh Jarrah your home but it never ever really became their home. They had constant threat of being evicted, of being thrown out that you know, out of that area of Sheikh Jarrah. Now, this has been ongoing since then. Um, I mean, even in 1970, um, 1972, a lawsuit was filed against the residents of Sheikh Jarrah uh, by the by the Jewish settlement organization where they were claiming that the residents were illegally staying there. You know, that land was never theirs and we know that's not true because they were placed there by the UN and the Jordanian government. So they've always had this threat. But what's happened recently is that the Jerusalem District Court have said that they have to leave. And this is why we've been seeing this resistance by the residents who have stayed there all their lives, many of them for generations, have made that their home, they have nowhere else to go to, and now they're being evicted for no reason. Um, and this is, again, this is illegal. Um, so this is what the resistance attention has been. Um, we saw the, late, the video of the old lady, and um, she said that like, every brick of this house that I have laid, I've made this my house, and now 70 years later, you're telling me that this has never been my home. Um, so this is what all the tension with Sikh Jara is. Gosh. Um... And is that, is that just happening in Sheikh Jarrah or is it happening in other areas as well? No, Shaf, it's happened. All the Palestinian areas are under threat or have been. Um, this is how, this is the Nakba that we're talking about, this land grabbing, this illegally taking this land. These settlements go into Palestinian areas in the West Bank and East Jerusalem and they take this Palestinian land um, which does not belong to Israel. So these illegal settlements have been ha happening all over um, Palestine. Actually, in the last recent months, um, there has been a huge increase in these illegal settlements and we have to remember that 100% of these settlements are illegal under international law. They are recognised as being illegal because this land isn't for Israel to take. 
and you have to also remember, sorry, um, Sharf, that when they take this land, when this land is taken off the Palestinians, they are forced out their houses. Many of them are physically hurt, physically abused. Um, their livelihoods are taken, their farms are taken. They have no livelihoods left. The impact emotionally, physically it has on these families is totally um, devastating. Um, when these settlements are made, these illegal settlements, special roads are made for these illegal settlements, connecting the settlements together, and the Palestinians are not allowed to use these roads. Um, so it, it disrupts their education, their healthcare, even just going to hospital, because they can't use these roads anymore. These families are split up, and um, there's over 500 checkpoints for to go from one area to another, even just going to school. Um, so it's not, it's not just a case of the settlement, but the disruption it causes um, to the lives of the Palestinians. I mean, the, these settlements, Israel control, controls 90% of Palestinian water. So um, in these settlements, they have 80% of um, natural water resources, while Palestine own, the Palestinians only get 20%. So this is all really shocking, um, the discrimination that they face. And I remember reading somewhere that, like, sort of the is it 90, 97% of the water is not drinkable in Gaza. Yeah, in Gaza, yes, and 97% of the water is unfit for humans um, to drink. And then with the electricity as well, isn't it? The, um, it's very limited, the amount of electricity yeah, given. Yeah, Everything's very yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go on to that. Um, but sort of like, how is the Sheikh Jarrah situation related to Masjid al-Aqsa? And with all these sort of things that we've been seeing on social media and on the t TV, um, how is it connected? Okay, so what happened was um, that during this time when the um, Sheikh Jarrah was happening and the residents of Sheikh Jarrah were trying to resist their evictions, um, it was during the month of Ramadan, um, it was last Friday in Ramadan, and as you can imagine, Masjid al-Aqsa was full of people praying during the month of mercy, seeking Allah's mercy, seeking reward, um, and it was a Friday, so it was even more busier, and they decided that they would protest what was happening in Sheikh Jarrah. This is an amazing thing of the Palestinians. They are really united. And when one group is suffering, they all get together. So they did a peaceful protest. And you can see the videos of the protest. They were just chanting and nothing else. However, what happened was Israel fired on these crowds. So what did these crowds do? They went back into Masjid al-Aqsa sanctuary. They wanted to seek refuge from this. Um, and what happened was the next day was Laila al-Qadr, the most important night of the year, the most important night in Ramadan. Um, so the masjid was jam-packed with people praying, children, elderly, and what happened was um, the masjid was stormed and um, these you know, these people that were praying, they were fired upon again with tear grass and stun grenades. And this is what the violence was that we saw in Masjid Al-Aqsa. Um, and because this, hundreds of people were injured, including children, including elderly. Gosh, um, and um, in terms of Masjid Al-Aqsa, why, why is Masjid Al-Aqsa so important to the Muslims? So Shaf, Masjid Al-Aqsa is the third most important masjid um, to the Muslims in the world. Um, we believe um, it was the second masjid that was built after the Kaaba by Prophet Adam um, It was our first qibla, the first direction of prayer before it was changed um, um, to the Haram Sharif, to the Kaaba. Um, we believe that so many prophets um, have prayed, recited, um, you know, um, 
were imams um, had lived in Jerusalem in Masjid al-Aqsa. Um, it was a very place where al-Isra wal-Miraj happened, when every single prophet prayed behind Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is where the ascension into the heavens happened. This was a place that our Prophet said that, you know, we shouldn't visit it. Muslims, if you're going to make a journey to any masjid, you should go to Masjid al-Aqsa. You should go put your ihram on from Masjid al-Aqsa. You should go and assist Masjid al-Aqsa. This is a status that our Prophet gave to Masjid al-Aqsa. And for that reason, lots of Sahabas, peace be upon them, they traveled to, um, traveled to Masjid al-Aqsa because they knew the love Prophet had for Masjid al-Aqsa. So it's a very special place. I mean, there is a hadith that there's not even a, an inch of um, Jerusalem that has not been touched by a prophet or an angel. So if you are blessed enough to go to Masjid al-Aqsa, wherever you read Salah or sit, you're going to be guaranteed that once there must have been a prophet that has sat in that very place. So this is so important to the Muslims. Oh, it, it sounds amazing. Um, so moving on, I know we briefly touched upon uh, Gaza. Um, yeah. So with, uh, I should say, Gaza, um, wh why is it referred to um, as an open, a sort of open prison? Or... So that's a really good question. So Gaza, um, the Gaza, Gaza Strip is often referred to an open prison because life in Gaza is like prison. Um, the waters, the air, the borders are all controlled by Israel. So even though Gaza um, is is a Palestinian territory, um, they have no control. They have no authority. They're under the occupation. So Gaza, um, so the Israel controls everything that comes in and out of Gaza. So because of this, they can't do export, import, and because that they're very poor, the poverty is so rife in Gaza. Um, and over 70% of people in Gaza rely on food aid, which is shocking. That's a very high percentage there. Uh, because of this blockade um, that Israel has on um, Gaza, they're lucky, like you touched on before, if they get three or four hours of electricity every single day. Um, and because of this, their water is unfit. 97% of the water is unfit for humans to drink because of they don't have this electricity. They can't treat um, you know, the pollutants in the water. And because of that, you can imagine the diseases um, that are quite common, especially in children. Now, we all know that the wars that have been happening um, and Gaza has been pounded so many times by um, Israel and it's really brought Gaza down on his knees and they've never really had a chance to recover. Um, and because of this, over 90% of the children are either traumatised, malnourished or have severe depression. And that's like over 90% and that's absolutely shocking. Um, so they've never really recovered and now this war has started again. So this is life in Gaza. I mean, a lot of these people, the children especially, they don't know what freedom is. They've never seen even a day's freedom in their life. And you also have to remember is that Gaza is one of the most heavily and um, densely populated um, areas in the world. There's 1.8 million Gazans um, that have been squashed into or crammed into that small Gaza Strip. And that's why we have so much um, problems when this war happens. Gosh, that is, it's, it's really it is, devastating to hear. Um, and in terms of... Uh, one of the things that, like, anyone that's ever been to um, Palestine, they, they always talk about how strong they are and how loving they are and how kind they are. 
like despite all yeah. their trials and tribulations and everything they go through the love they have and the love they have for for their religion and the love that they have for the people and how welcoming they are um everyone yeah. always talks about that and just like how how amazing they are just you know these yeah. really remarkable people um will I make it easy for them um so we've touched upon um the history uh, you know we've talked about the the belfort declaration and obviously you know how the ottomans owned that uh, sort of ran it all before world war 2 and then things obviously changed and then we've talked about um you know how things have escalated in terms of what happened at sheikh jarrah masjid al aqsa um and obviously you know we are seeing the the headlines and you know obviously everything is going on in social media about the devastating attacks and the, the innocent lives that are being lost um now what can we do you know obviously it's so heartbreaking to see but like in terms of us what can we actually do to help the situation so um shaf that's a really good question again um what can we do so this is a question that we get asked all the time because people feel really helpless um and i think you touched upon it yesterday and the most important thing we can do is obviously do allah to have that faith in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um now friends of alexa um on the website make yourself familiar with it they've got lots of important resources and they always have the pointers what they want us to focus on and it's really important we focus on our energies on things that are going to make a difference so the first thing that we would advise um as you said yesterday was dua the second thing we want you to do is we want you to get confident in writing to your MPs they are there to represent you and um, friends of luxa have made it very easy you just go onto the website you put in your postcode and the letter's gone and it's as easy as that and i know you've done it too it just takes a couple of minutes um, and you know, when the um, happened the problem in palestine um in three days i think there was 50,000 letters that were sent out to mps and there were mps that had to reply they had to make a statement they had to respond they had to represent um and i think that was such an amazing achievement and we managed to do this um so we just need to get confident around that the second thing we can do is petitions petitions do it's another way of saying you know that we want change otherwise how would they know that we are upset or we're not happy or you know we are against something so again there's some petitions that go around friends like I've got one running just now just get onto the website and do that um also learn learn about palestine learn about life now remember it's in the news just now it's not always in the news and if it's not in the news it doesn't mean to say that the occupation has stopped the occupation has never stopped since 1948 or 1947 it's never ever stopped it's always been there so learn about that and then you will feel more confident to talk about it to discuss it with people and um, so there um, friends of luxa do lots of summary cards um, very easy to understand actually it's got so many resources for children we've been getting so many queries what can we teach our children well everything is on the website and um, you can also um youtube channel have got a lot of bite sized videos that are excellent um at just educating them so educate yourself and share it with your family your friends also boycott bds um again when we go out shopping we're always looking at labels um, checking sorry, can i just stop you there jay what what is what does bds stand for okay boycott diversion diversion um, sanctions and mm-hmm. um, so basically what that means is going to 
boycott um, certain products. Um, so you would go into a supermarket, you would check, is something halal, is something haram? Is it suitable for vegetarians? So we're just asking you to do one more check. It's a check, has that product been ethically sourced? So you want to check that. If it isn't, then you just leave it. You don't need to buy it. Um, and what if you're really brave, you can even write to the company and explain to them why you didn't buy it. And I think we need to get really good at that. To be honest, over the years, uh, we have got better with checking um, the dates campaign and things, but we can be even better. So when you're buying a product, just make sure that you see, has it been ethically sourced? Now, there's other things <clears throat> that Friends of a Love want you to try and boycott. Again, all that list is on, on their website. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of companies off the top of your head that you can sort of recall? Just to, just to put you on the spot, Jay. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's a big campaign of um, boycotting Coca-Cola and the reason is that Coca-Cola has a lot of factories in these um, illegal settlements. Um, so we obviously we don't want to be buying Coke because it's on these illegal settlements. It's not ethically, it's not ethical. Um, so we don't, these um, settlements are illegal. They're wrong. They're taken from Palestinian land and therefore um, we shouldn't. Now I think there's HP and there's also um, Puma. These are the ones that are going on just now but it's all on the website so have a look at that yeah um can i just add about the coke it's got like 10 spoons of sugar in it as well so you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be drinking that in the first place guys stick the water what are you doing <laughs> um so you were saying um is there any other sort of things that we could be doing um to help so you can join the protests and um, there are protests that are happening every week just now um, when I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it doesn't make a difference, um, but we heard that firsthand um, when we were live from the Palestinian, from Jerusalem, and what she said was that when I see those protests, it gives me hope that I'm not alone. And we saw those um, messages that were coming out from Gaza as well, and they're thanking us, you know, calling us brave. <laughs> You know, and that we're going out and protesting for them, and it says it makes us happy that so many people in the in the world are with us. So I think for that single reason is enough for us to go out um, and make that stand. Absolutely, and protests do work. Look at the whole George Floyd situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they put an immense amount of pressure on the um, American government to obviously to act. They had no choice but to act. Um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, it's just come out today unfortunately the it's all of the headlines where um, there's one individual and unfortunately he um, you know he's let the team down a bit if you like he, yeah. he, he he said some you know really inappropriate comments and obviously the, the newspapers the newspapers obviously have their own agenda so that's been like spread across the news um, and I think what myself and I'm sure um, Juario will agree with me is that we we need to conduct ourselves in a in a good way. Um, you know, we need to really watch how we say what uh, how we're saying things and the way that we say it. Um, using bad language and being abusive to um, you know to people is not is not the you know that's not going to achieve anything. Um, no. If anything, it gives people the opportunity to point the finger back at us. Um, and unfortunately, with you know, there was thousands and thousands of people all across the world doing these marches, and you go to Daily Mail, and unfortunately, the headline is is that is that guy who decided to you know make some um, really inappropriate comments. Um, so yeah, that, you know, just just think about what you're saying. We you know we get you're upset, we're upset. You know, it's heartbreaking to see these images of 
you know, young children um, being pulled out of the rubble or, you know, whole families being wiped out. It's not easy to see. Of course it's not, and of course mm-hmm. it hurts, but there's, you know, there's a way to go about things. Our Prophet has told us, you know, how we need to behave, yeah. and, you know, the etiquette and the manners that we need to be using. Um, and, you know, that's not it. There's, there's no space for, you know, abuse of, you know, using, just being rude or, you know, behaving like that. There's, there's just no excuse for it. No, you're absolutely right, Shabina, and we have to remember that we are not against the Jews, and we should not be bad to the Jews. We are against the policies of um, of the Israelis when they're abusing the Palestinians. Um, and so, if we are standing up against this abuse, this racism, and we're doing the same thing, then that's wrong, isn't it? So you're absolutely right. We have to remember what we're standing for. We're standing for justice. So if we want to stand for justice, and we have to be just ourselves. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, have you? Is there any other points that you want to make, Jay? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, um, I think just touching on, you know, learn about Palestine, um, and learn to talk about it with confidence. Um, I think a lot of people are too scared to even say the Palestine word, to even say Palestine. Um, and you know, remember these. This is a country. This is a group of people, um, that have been oppressed for years, and um, they really need that support. And how do we do that? Um, you know, we need to learn what that is and really connect with them and Masjid Al Aqsa. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, may Allah make it easy for the for our brothers and sisters in Palestine mm-hmm. and elsewhere in the world where they um where they you know are being treated unjustly, whether that's in Yuga, whether that's in Palestine, in Syria, or you know anywhere else in Kashmir. Um, may Allah make it easy for them in Burma. Um, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Um, right, guys. So we're gonna finish it off there. Um, and inshallah, we'll see you back soon. Allah face. Yeah, Allah Thank you, Tori. Allah face. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks.